Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and this lecture, which will probably be a two-parter, maybe a three-part, depending how fast I talk, is called Cardiac CT, The State of the Heart 2007. Now, I take no credit for coming up with that title, but I was asked to speak at the annual Dr. Tumulty course at Johns Hopkins Hospital, which is the Department of Internal Medicine, and they have an annual course every year, and it's an honor to speak there. It's a five-day course to about 500 people. They're all internists or GPs, and so you really have an interesting audience. And I did ask the question at the start of the talk, because I know the audience is from many hospitals, small and large, and private offices. And I asked them, how many of you in the audience have ever ordered a cardiac CT? And, to no great surprise to me, and no great surprise to you, I bet, only a handful of people had ever ordered a scan, probably less than 5% of the audience. So I realized that what I needed to show them was what we can do and how it can help their patients. So I started off and I commented on why is there such an interest in cardiac CT scanning and why is it not just in radiology and cardiology and internal medicine journals, but even in the lay press like Time Magazine. And I said it's really technology. 64 slice CT technology has really made it possible for us to do cardiac CT well. And the reason that's the case is because CT requires three things to do cardiac. High spatial resolution, high temporal resolution, and true volume data sets. I then explained about how CT has evolved over the years to where we now are submillimeter in slice thickness, where our studies are thousands of slices, particularly cardiac. I explained how with faster scanning we can truly couple delivery of contrast with data acquisition and how with isotropic data sets we can visualize everything through any plane and perspective with the same accuracy. I mentioned that cardiac CT was started before 64 slice, but it's only at 64 slice. That is something that really most of them can and should be ordering on their patients. I mentioned there are many cardiac CT applications, but we're going to speak mainly on coronary artery calcification and classic CT angiography. We don't have time to cover everything else. They gave me roughly a half an hour, which was pretty good. I also told them that I would only show them two statistics slides. Dr. Bill Schlott, who's one of the course coordinators, said, Elliot, don't sell him on this too much. Just tell him the facts. And so I said, great. I'm just going to tell you the facts, but I'll give you two slides. And these two slides are these two articles, which basically include that CT has a negative predictive value by 99% and a positive predictive value in the low 90s. That's the numbers. But what I asked the audience to do is don't worry about the numbers. Take a look at these images and let me know what you think. I spoke about some of the common numbers we look at. A million acute events in the U.S. each year with 500,000 people dying from coronary artery disease. The fact that half of the patients present with sudden death or an acute MI. And although traditional risk factors are very helpful, um, they're only of some help they have not been perfect. Um, we have therapies now, statin therapy, but again, is now without complications. We know there are risk factors for cardiac disease from elevated cholesterol to hypertension to diabetes and smoking, but those are the no known risk factors. There are many other risk factors that we don't know about, including things we can't control, which are genetic factors. And so when you recognize that a third of patients who have an acute MI have no classic risk factors, People wanted to know, could CT provide additional information? 
information that might help with risk stratification. And that's really where we got into about a decade ago calcium scoring. That calcium was a good marker for coronary disease. That in many studies, calcium proved to be a better marker than traditional risk factors. The simple thing I mentioned was that a negative score, a zero score, had a high negative predictive value of the absence of significant disease. And that even in the ER setting, in a patient with chest pain with a negative score, it's unlikely they have a, a myocardial infarction. And I just showed an example of what calcium scores look like. But again, making the point that it's only looking at a secondary sign of disease and the fact that we're not really looking at stenosis. I mentioned the change most recently that the American Heart, American College of Cardiology, who recognized seven years ago that calcium scoring had an important uh, role to play.